0: And we're back here with another episode of Peter's Proffer in the courtroom of current events. We're going to hit on a topic today that has been in the news a lot in the past few years, but it seems like it's ramping up even more now with some cases hitting the news and everybody's got a comment on it. And I've actually had people reach out to us, clients, listeners of the podcast, just people in the community kind of reach out to us and ask us what our position is on the Stand Your Ground law. So I brought George Tragos in today with his 40 years of experience. It's got to be good for something. We'll ask him about it. Uh, thanks for listening in with us. If you have any questions or you have anything you want us to talk about, kind of like this topic on the podcast, hit us up on social media. Send me an email uh, at Tragos Law on social media, and my email is petertragos at greeklaw.com. All right, so we're in here today with my dad, George Tragos, criminal defense attorney, been one forever, been around for multiple different law changes on this issue. Uh, We're talking stand your ground today. um, And let's start out just by defining what is the stand your ground law. Well, let's
1: start with self-defense. Self-defense was always the standard. You could defend yourself if someone was trying to hurt you, trying to shoot you, trying to shoot someone that you love that's with you. That's always the way it's been. The difference has been you had to retreat. In other words, if you could get away without killing somebody or shooting somebody, you had to run and get out of the situation.
0: Right. If there was a way to avoid the physical or or violent situation, you had to do that first. That's what was expected of someone. Right. That's how it used to be. That's how it used to be.
1: It's called the castle doctrine, where you could protect yourself. You could protect your castle. Meaning your home. Right. But that changed with Stand Your Ground. Stand Your Ground did one big change. You don't have to retreat. If someone is threatening you, if you're scared that someone is threatening you, going to hurt you or cause great bodily harm to somebody that's with you, and you can prevent it, even if you could retreat, you could still shoot that person or you could harm that person to protect yourself. You don't have to retreat anymore. And that's the big change that Stand Your Ground caused.
0: Well, and there are a lot of distinctions with Stand Your Ground. So let's first start out with equal force. What, what does equal force mean in the elements of self-defense and stand your ground? Well, the key is reasonableness. Is it reasonable to have that fear? And is what you did
1: reasonable to protect yourself? So if someone is spitting on you and you shoot them with a gun, that's not reasonable. But someone is shooting you with a gun, pointing a gun at you, trying to stab you, and you shoot back at them, that is a reasonable response to the
0: threat. Okay, and how would you then describe the difference in procedure now that we have this stand your ground law than how self-defense used to be
1: well before 2017 the stand your ground required a hearing and the hearing had the burden of the defendant to prove that he qualified for the self-defense he didn't retreat and it was an appropriate and reasonable response
0: okay and, well hold on so you're saying it has a hearing explain the procedure a little bit more for people that don't understand how court proceedings go Normal defenses, you just say, I have this defense, and then you try to use it at trial, basically.
1: Right. This hearing happens before trial, happens before a judge, and the judge makes the decision whether or not you have immunity under stand your ground and therefore cannot be prosecuted for the crime you're accused of.
0: So this hearing, which you have to file for ahead of time, saying you have a stand your ground defense, right? Right. Okay. So you file that. You have a hearing, and this hearing can get your case completely thrown out. Totally thrown
1: out. And you would be declared innocent and you walk out of the courtroom.
0: So the hearing is basically like a mini trial where you put on actual evidence that shows that you qualify for the stand your ground immunity, right? Right. It
1: was the, the burden again was on the defense before 2017. Which
0: is really interesting because, you know, in our jury selection. When we pick our jury in our criminal defense trials, we harp on the defendant has no burden in the United States. We don't have to do anything. We could sit there and play chess and do nothing. And the state's got the burden, the biggest burden, everything. Well, in this situation, the criminal defendant in the United States does have the burden. So talk about why that's so important.
1: Well, you know, that's not an unusual situation. In insanity defenses, the defendant has the burden. In entrapment defenses, the defendant has the burden. When there's an affirmative
0: defense the defendant is trying to put forth, they do have the burden. And the reason for that is you're basically saying, yes, I committed the crime, but there was a reason that I did it that makes me not guilty of this crime. Right. There's an excuse. Right. Exactly. So that's why the burden then shifts to the defendant As you're not saying I didn't do it anymore. You're saying there's a valid reason why I did it.
1: Right. The difference is on those I mentioned, those happen at trial. The legislature said you're going to have a separate hearing for the judge to make the ruling.
0: Be, be more specific. When you said those that you mentioned, the insanity defense, the entrapment defense, all that happens in the course of your trial. Right. And the where, juries make a ruling on those. Right. So you're trying to prove that at trial as the defendant. This stand your ground law has a separate hearing way beforehand where you try to prove that you, you qualify for it. And so if you win, you go home. What happens if you lose? Well, if you lose, then you're going to go to trial. We have a recent case
1: um, in Dade City. We know about the theater case where a guy jumped over the seats in a theater and the guy that he jumped at shot him and killed him. And he had a cell phone in his hand and he was claiming that he had a reasonable belief that he had to defend himself to such an extent that he had to shoot and kill the guy. Well, they had the hearing. That trial's got to be a year away, but we had the hearing just recently and. The judge found that it did not qualify for the stand-your-ground defense, and therefore he's going to have to go to trial. But there's an interesting point. In 2017, the legislature changed the law. They said that the burden was on the prosecution to prove by clear and convincing evidence that it was not justified by stand-your-ground. So now the burden has shifted to the prosecutor. question that's in a lot of courts right now does that person in Dade City who already had their hearing the trial hasn't occurred yet are they entitled to a new hearing now where now instead of them having the burden of proving does the prosecution now have the burden and there's going to be a second hearing so you're going to have multiple trials and multiple hearings even before you get to trial about whether or not standard ground applies
0: so you're asking then whether it's going to be retroactive is something that has not been decided yet Right. The and retroactive means you go back before this thing was a law and apply it to all the cases that it would apply to now as to not be unfair just because you happened to get arrested in 2018 versus 2016. In Miami, the appellate court ruled that it was not retroactive. Here, the Second District
1: Court of Appeals, the one we're under in Clearwater, ruled that it was retroactive.
0: Which is interesting because isn't it true that most criminal statutes are Whatever statute is in place at the time you were arrested, that is correct. So that's the norm usually.
1: That is the norm, but the Supreme Court has accepted jurisdiction, and they're going to make a ruling to determine whether or not someone whose case is still pending whether that applies to them. The fact again, it's a very important fact. The prosecution has the burden. So if the prosecutor cannot prove by clear and convincing evidence, then you're. You're a free man because Stand Your Ground is going to apply.
0: So the burden is clear and convincing evidence? Clear and convincing evidence. Okay, and that's different than a normal criminal trial where it's beyond a reasonable doubt. Right. So they have a lower burden to prove this Stand Your Ground evidence than what they would have to actually prove the crime. Right, but it's, but it's not a preponderance of the evidence, which is even lighter. It's still a little heavier. Right. It's a heavy burden. So a civil trial, and this can be a whole other podcast topic, but a civil trial, the burden is preponderance of the evidence. Right. This is a step up from that, clear and convincing And it's defined by the word clear and convincing evidence. And then you have beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the highest level,
1: which is going to raise later on. It's going to raise the justifiable homicide statistics because prosecutors aren't going to want to go to trial with that heavy burden or go to the hearing, excuse me, with that heavy burden because they know it's going to be tough for them to justify the fact that someone who shot someone else in a fight or something like that is not a stand your ground defense and therefore they don't want to mess with two trials. They don't want to do it.
0: Yeah, that does. that's a huge change when you shift the burden. I yeah. mean, you, you can think about that in any case if you have to prove something or if you just have to see if somebody else can prove it. You know, everybody always says prove it. Well, it's a lot harder to prove it than to have somebody else prove it. So while sticking with some of the distinctions with Stand Your Ground, talk a little bit about the objective versus subjective fear that your life's in danger. All right. Well, first of all,
1: again, the the burden or the standard is reasonableness. So this is a reasonable man, not necessarily you. You know, you might be in fear. So it's
0: objectively reasonable. Right. So that the difference between objective and subjective is objective means a, a normal person would think that. Subjective means what I feel. So if I'm really scared of clowns and a guy comes up dressed like a clown and I shoot him because I just think clowns kill people, that's not objectively reasonable. Right. If the clown has a gun, now that's objectively reasonable that this guy's running at me with a gun that, you know, I could be in fear for my life.
1: So, so a judge is going to have to make a determination whether it's reasonable. And you can sit up there all day and say, gosh, yes, I was in fear. But if your fear wasn't reasonable, it doesn't qualify for the statute. So that's
0: another distinction then. This is something that's argued. This hearing happens in front of a judge, not a jury. Correct. So the judge makes that decision as to whether or not stand your ground will apply. Right. Okay. Right. Um, next let's talk about, um, is this a state by state issue or is this a federal issue? It's a state by state issue. 25 states right now
1: have stand your ground laws. So exactly half.
0: Right. Which should show you, which should show you why it's, you know, something that's so, you know, divisive in the news and, you know, everybody's on both sides of this all the time because it literally, I mean, it's a 50, 50 split as to which states even have it as a law in place.
1: And you think about it, Florida made it even stronger by changing the burden to the prosecutors. So they know, made it tougher.
0: Do you know what, uh, how many other states changed that burden as that, well? I don't know that. Okay.
1: I do know that 25 states have some type of standard ground law.
0: Okay. And what was the purpose of, of putting stand your ground law in place as opposed to just a regular self-defense defense?
1: Well, because people were sitting there saying, I have to make a decision whether I'm going to run. My life is being threatened. My wife's life is being threatened. And someone's going to say, well, you could have run. Should I have to run? If someone's threatening me, don't I have the right to fight back? Don't I have the right to shoot him if he's going to shoot me and and not worry about, well, can I run? Those kind of decisions you don't make in the heat of the moment.
0: And then you've got to decide, right, whether or not it's not just uh, worth it to risk your life, but risk going to jail if you shoot this guy to protect your family or whatever, if you feel like you guys are in danger, right? That's right. Okay, so let's move on then to some of the problems with Stand Your Ground.
1: Well, the biggest problem, frankly, and it's been proven over and over again, is there is a racial issue, a racial component to this. Statistically speaking, you are 350 times more likely to not be charged if you're a white man shooting a black man as opposed to a white man shooting a white man. So if you shoot a black man, you, it can be justified, 350 percent more justified. That's statistics, that's what's happening out there in the real world.
0: So meaning you you get the strand, stand your ground immunity if you're a white guy that shoots a black guy, but not if you're a white guy that shoots a white guy. You're far more likely to get it. Yes. Okay. So uh, how how, I guess, how does that play out then? Is that just, I guess our judicial system saying that it's reasonable to think that African-American men are more likely to kill you so therefore you have that reasonable fear that they're going to take your life and that's just how the judicial system is racist basically psychologists and blind studies have found that white people just
1: fear african americans that it's just it just it happens sometimes you know you don't know it it's unconscious but there's an aura that's created and because of that fear it's more likely that a white person is going to feel that it's reasonable to shoot a black person. It's going to be so. It's basically
0: of them. there is a beneath the surface racial bias that is still in existence in this country. Yes.
1: Okay. And when you do the statistics on justifiable homicides, like I just we just talked about, it absolutely proves out.
0: Okay. So what is being done then? I guess that can take us into the McLaughlin case then. Um. Uh, so t- talk about what happened in that case and what are some of the issues.
1: Well, that may be a classic example. You have a white man shooting a black man. And if anybody saw the video, and I've seen the video, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have seen the video, here you have an African-American walking away from the situation, and the white man shoots him. And then we have the sheriff saying, this is a difficult case and, and we didn't arrest anybody. And he really... Another thing, too, he didn't say that there was an innocent, the white man was innocent. What he said was, I'm referring it to the state attorney's office. He's passing the buck, basically, saying let the state attorney make the decision. Let them decide whether or not stand your ground applies, because the state attorney is now going to have the burden, if they do charge him, of going to that hearing and proving by clear and convincing evidence that it was not stand your ground.
0: So what role does the sheriff play in this entire series of events dealing with stand your ground?
1: Any law enforcement officer has to make a decision whether they're going to arrest somebody or not arrest somebody, and it's based on probable cause. So if you have probable cause, you arrest the person. The state attorney eventually makes the final decision whether someone's going to be charged.
0: So it's just like any other case?
1: Just like any other case. In this case, the sheriff decided not to arrest anyone, but it doesn't mean There's not going to be a charge coming down the road,
0: right? But that does mean that's that says something very big that they didn't arrest him.
1: Well, it it says that they felt that stand your ground is appropriate, and that's what that's what the sheriff said. But he did use the wrong standard. He used an objective standard instead of the reasonable man standard. But he said he felt that individual that was on the ground felt he was in he was in danger. That's not really it. Was it a reasonable man? Would they have felt they were so in danger? So he used the
0: subjective standard you're yeah, saying? Yeah, subjective. Yeah, he used okay. the wrong standard. Okay, so he said subjectively this guy was in fear, not objectively. Right. In this case, I've, I've got to say that I
1: think he made a mistake. And what's really unusual is the National Rifle Association, who pushed for the legislation, is criticizing the sheriff, saying the sheriff made a mistake. Because this was a situation where it was obviously, at least I think it was obvious, a reasonable man would not have done the shooting. And the sheriff is a friend of mine. He's a lawyer. Uh, I like him. I voted for him. But I think he made a mistake.
0: Yeah, and I guess the NRA would be against this. Just like, I mean, everybody should be objectively, to use that word again, against this decision specifically because it seems pretty obvious from the video. Um, And I guess that's the issue. So the NRA and anybody pushing for this stand your ground law, this doesn't help your cause. This kills your cause for stand your ground, because I mean, this this just shows how it can be taken advantage of. And I mean, I think as we've talked about already, the studies have showed and psychologists have showed really that there is a racial element to stand your ground, just like we did a whole podcast on the racial bias of the judicial system. I mean, this is just another way that it really is showing very clearly in the numbers. Well, legislators are already
1: jumping on this example as to why Stand Your Ground should change. They've already come out publicly. You've seen them quoted in the press. Uh, they're using this particular case to show that Stand Your Ground doesn't work or it's abusive or it's racial.
0: One of What are some of the changes they want to make to the Stand Your Ground law? Well, they
1: want to abolish it, for one thing. Or they want to take away the burden, so the burden's on the defense instead of on the prosecution. There's also a lot of studies, even the governor has a study commission on Sandra Ground, where they want to educate people. And so they think if you really educate law enforcement as to really what it means, it will help in the way law enforcement enforces this particular statute. In this case, and the buck always stops with the state attorney, the state attorney is the one who's going to have to make the ultimate decision. So the sheriff, in our case, has passed it to Bernie McCabe, the state attorney. Bernie is going to have to make that particular decision as to whether or not Sandra Ground does or doesn't apply. And then if we're looking at the whole thing, the, the funny thing is, I think it's this week or next week, Governor Scott is coming in to campaign for a Senate. And it's the, the campaign
0: event is being hosted by the sheriff and Bernie McCabe. So to to finish up, let's just talk about how, as a criminal defense attorney, how do you feel about Stand Your Ground? Do you like it? Do you think it should be changed? What do you think about it as a whole?
1: I like Stand Your Ground as a policy, that you should be able to defend yourself. And I believe that the prosecution should have the burden. I don't think a defendant should have the burden in our country of proving his innocence. But philosophically, I recognize that there is a racial problem with it. And unless we can cure that racial problem, then we defeat really the policy of making this uh, an adequate due process defense. So we've got to look at that. We've got to look at both sides of this.
0: Okay. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening in. Uh, Hopefully you learned something about Stand Your Ground. If you have any comments or questions, hit us up on social media or send me an email. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.